Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about two movies, both from the uh, middle, late 2000s. First one is going to be Narnia, the first one. And then we're going to be talking about Golden Compass, the first uh, in the His Dark Materials series, which was originally written by Philip Pullman. And I do not know the author of Narnia right off the bat. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote. C.S. Lewis. The Chronicles of Narnia. Yep. So uh, these were two fantasy movies that were pretty big at that time. Narnia especially. I mean, that one got three movies. Golden Compass, I argued, didn't even get like a full movie because they didn't even get to really fully finish that first book in the one film that they did make, which was a pretty star-studded uh, film, I would say. That first one had... You know, Daniel Craig and was that Nicole, Nicole Kidman? Kidman and um, oh gosh, Ian McKellen was yep. in it. Um, they had a lot I think of big names. Chris, uh, Christopher Lee was also in it. Yep. So there was a lot of big names in that one, and that one had a lot of controversy around it. But uh, Narnia did too a little bit, but not a ton. Narnia was a lot more um, broadly accepted. Yeah, these both had pretty. These both had very similar budgets. One hundred eighty million dollars each. It says on Box Office Mojo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Narnia uh, came in at two hundred ninety-one million domestic, and Golden Compass came in at seventy million domestic. So pretty much a flop from Golden Compass. Although it did well overseas, three hundred million overseas for Golden Compass. Yeah, it was also. Um, I mean, Golden the the whole His Dark Materials series was a lot more popular in, in yeah Great in Britain than it was in the U.S. Um, I mean, both originated in Britain, but, um, so like Narnia was originally written by C.S. Lewis, who uh, was from uh, England, but Narnia definitely has more of an audience in yeah. America than Golden Compass, as far as I'm aware. Though, if I had to pick one or the other, like which one's my favorite, I say Golden Compass, and it's not that the movie was done incredibly better, it was that... It, it's it's solid up until that ending, which I'm sure we'll get into, and I know I've discussed it with you, but I love that series. I read all three of the His Dark Materials books, so that's Golden Compass, The Subtle Knife, and The Amber Spyglass, in case anybody feels like uh, going out and you know getting these from a library or something or buying them, which I suggest you do because I think it's one of the greatest book series ever written. Um, I've never read the Narnia ones. I know there's quite a few books in that. Um, there's there's seven chronicles of Narnia, uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, being the first one. Um, there's the the order of the chronicles of Narnia is is hotly contested. Yeah. Uh, but if you order them chronologically, they don't really make much sense. You have to read. I I, I contest that you have to read them in the order that they were written. Two, four, five, six, three, one, seven. Ugh, that sounds. Uh, complicated. That being the chronological order, but mm. in the order that they were written. But uh, they just make a lot more sense when you read them in the order they were written. Because when you make them chronological, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it's a lot of the the subtle thematic hints that 
C.S. Lewis kind of weaves in and develops throughout the series just don't really work when you yeah. tell them chronologically. But so it makes so I like that this is the first one that they chose to do, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, rather than The Magician's Nephew. Because if you start with The Magician's Nephew, which is the first chronologically, yeah. The Magician's Nephew doesn't work as a story without having the foregrounding of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yep. Yeah. And um, I remember when I was a kid, like, Everybody knew about that one. Golden Compass was kind of like, hey, here's like a trailer like once or twice on TV. And then like I never heard about it again. I did, kind of discovered it myself in like 2012. And when I saw that, I was like such an avid fan for that universe that it built. Narnia never really did that for me. One, because even when it's like the part of the movie that is like grounded in the real world, that's always like world war two during yeah. all those bombings and stuff that the Nazis were doing over, over London and all those areas, which actually I think my favorite parts of that, of all of those Narnia movies are the first like 10 minutes when they're actually in the real world. Once they get into all the, the weird fantasy medieval stuff, I kind of lose a little bit of interest. I always felt like those characters being who they are, especially after their experiences in um narnia like when they come back and they're like nobody's again i always kind of liked that dynamic because it's really interesting well that's one thing that i watching going i had never seen golden compass before a few yeah. days ago the golden compass throws you into this world that doesn't really have clearly defined rules at least as the movie uh portrays it so it kind of has to go on this huge exp- it, it's basically exposition for the entire movie because there's never there's never really any adventure that's happening because they're so caught up in explaining the rules of the world to you. But it's it's both over explained, but at the same time, you don't really understand what the rules actually are by the end of it. I don't know what anything really in the whole movie means. Whereas with Narnia, you start in a world that's familiar to you. You you start in the actual world, so you have this grounding of mm. something that you know, and then you're taking taken off to this this mystical land where the rules are pretty simple also at the same time have these very specific parts of it that are different from our own, uh, which makes for an, a very interesting dynamic, I think. Uh, but those rules are very quickly visually and uh, plot-related, communicated that in that way. Can I uh, just quick surmise kind of the, the world of the Golden Compass? Yeah, I mean, okay, I... I let let me try to surmise yeah, the let rules me, of the let Golden me, Compass. Let me because, see, and I'm going to analyze it, and I'll, like, I'll tell you. This what. is what I got from the movie. Yeah. It starts off with, I think, is it Nicole Kidman? I don't even remember. There's some, I think it's a female voice. It's it's just this disembodied voice that's saying, okay, here's this thing called dust, yep. and there's demons, and I don't know what either of those things are, and we're going to take about five minutes of explanation to tell you that these things exist, but never actually tell you what they're supposed to do and then we're going right into the world with Lyra and her demon and kind of it's yep. it's just it's a Can lot of wasted time to be very confusing. Let me let me explain a few things why they do that. You need to explain demons because it's such a I understand you need to explain demons. I, I just don't think they like I don't know what demons are. Like they're supposed to be they're, they're, uh, soul. they're the soul. It's your soul. But like so what? Why what's the point of having the soul separate from your body? There's no like because there's no there's no plot reason for that to happen. There's no story reason for that to happen. It doesn't really mean anything thematically in this movie. Um, it may or, it may or may not in the books. I don't know. But like in the in the Golden Compass movie like it's just an animal that comes with him that's really just the exact same character just as an animal. Like there's Let, no there's no purpose for it. <clears throat> okay, so I want to explain something. So I 
wasn't that critical of the what you're saying when I first watched it. I loved the idea. I loved the mystery of it. And when I was done, when the credits started rolling, but it's not trying to be a mystery. Is the problem? Well, it is because in the books, you don't really get a grasp of what dust is completely until I believe late second book to early to mid third book, if I'm remembering correctly, because. There's, then, a, there's a scientist should, from our for, world that kind of begins to explain right, I, tr- it. I did read a synopsis on the other books because I just wanted to kind of Ooh. be aware of what's going on. And I still don't really know what it is because it's okay. like dust I, is evil, no, no, but no, it's no, no, also it's good. It's not. It's like, neither. it's just very confusing. Dust is neither. Dust is neutral. It doesn't, it flows and it is a part of the universe as a whole. It makes the universe work. Every, everything kind of has a connection with it. It's almost like the force in Star Wars. But it's a little different. People can't manipulate it. But the force it, isn't like, tried to be ex- like the force. They don't try to explain what the force actually is. They just say the force exists. Whereas with dust, immediately they're saying this is dust, and here's kind of what it is, but not like it's. It's, they're, they're, it's they're, they keep explaining it with all these qualifiers to it, but never really provide an understanding for it. And if you and for this film itself, dust is not doesn't really have anything to do with what's going on. Demons. Let me first in explain. this in this in this contained story. So like I feel like dust doesn't need to be a part of whatever. I mean, first of all, there's no real goal to the Golden Compass's story. I don't it, this this particular movie. I don't her, really even know what they're is, trying to do. Her goal is trying to save Roger. That's right, her goal. That's the only. That's right. She's that trying to save the kids. So yep. that's what the whole purpose of the movie is. But like that, the the amount of steps that are taken to get there are like could happen in about 20 minutes but they've got all this extra world building that doesn't really affect that it it to, does to provide a story okay so so what they were trying to do is is turn the first book of a three book series into a movie and they originally had planned to do all three of them that was their thing this was the setup one and more of the questions that were placed in this one would be answered just like in the books right because but- you go through that first book not knowing much other than what this journey is about her trying to uh Save Roger. What's going on with Lord Asriel? You don't know what's going on with Miss Coulter. You know, right? It's you don't know anything. It's 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 taking so much time to set up all this stuff, Lord, but it's never paid off within this story. I it know needs that's to, what's it needs to both be a self-contained story, yep. and possibly hint towards yep. towards future things. But it ends up being hardly any story contained at all, and enti- like this, almost this almost this entire movie is hinting towards future stuff. Yep. So it's just it's just see no- how that's it's frustrating? just a big nothing. You see how that's frustrating for me, and why I was so bummed out by the ending, and why I wanted to. To read the other the other books so I actually know what will happen. That's why I did it. Because this movie okay, so they had an extra like 30 minutes of, of footage ready to go. Or not, not fully ready, but for some reason they cut it. I don't know if it was budgetary constraints. I don't know if it was because all of the um backlash from from churches and stuff was really causing them to like, hey, we gotta get this out now in this movie season. Or it's like never going to happen. I don't know what the whole situation was, but I know that they cut it. Because you can go on YouTube right now and look up like uh, Golden Compass deleted footage. And there's like, I think, a video of like 25 minutes or something of, of cut stuff. Okay, so I looked up the synopsis for the book. And as far as I'm aware, the stuff that's not in the movie that does happen in the book is the, the ending. Is the ending, which is like yep. Lord Asriel opening a portal the, to another dimension, right? Yes, and that's and all there's that's a really big cut. fight between him and Miss Coulter and Lyra. He opens up this portal. Lord Asriel goes in. Lyra then goes to 
follow after him. You don't know where she goes. They end up in well, different doesn't, places. Doesn't he kill, like, the kid that See, she now, just rescued? Okay, so, yeah. Here's a little... Yeah, that's the... Oh, God. I, I'm worried about spoilers just because his Dark Materials is coming out now. I don't want to say too much. But, yeah. So, th- that was kind of the big betrayal. But, uh, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating. This movie had its ending cut. And the reason why is because they didn't want... Because it ends on a dark ending. Lyra's friend gets betrayed. Lord Asriel leaves. Lyra tries to go after and, and or after him, and that's it. That was it. And it's a very dark ending to that book. And the people who were making this movie were like, that ending's too dark. We need to end it on a lighter note. So they end it to the point pretty much where she brings Roger to Lord Asriel. And then they're like, okay, everything's going to be better. Woo! You know, like, that's not how it ends. That was total BS. And we need, and and, and that was my biggest thing with this. And I despise right, the way I understand, that they ran that. The I understand rest of that, but, movie, the, but the, still, the rest of it still just makes no sense to me. Like, the, it still the, seems so... It's because you're trying to fit a 300-page book into two hours. Right. Well, I mean, maybe that's the it's, issue, but, like, it still just doesn't really seem to have any purpose to me. Okay, so... Um, well, I understand that I un- I've re- I've read the synopsis and kind of legit. I kind of understand where the series goes to, mm-hmm. and I so see for what? hints of you that. You did here. the subtle knife and Amber Spyglass. Yeah, about okay. So I kind of know what the series is, mm-hmm. and and I think that the series doesn't make any sense to me either. Like it just seems so stupid. Like it seems completely logically inept like as far as what it's trying to say but as far as this one goes it hints at that sort of logical conclusion of the of the story events but the golden compass itself as a movie never goes anywhere it doesn't do anything it's just like here's all these world elements but they don't there's no story whatsoever. This movie does not have a story. The story other than is her Lyra chasing Trump. after Roger. That is the but story. That is the whole point of that right, first book. That's was the whole point. Just her. I trying understand it's the whole point of the movie, but like, there's no, there's the parts of her chasing after Roger. There's not much of that actually happening. Every like other the, part the, that happens around her is setting up characters the, for future books. Right. That's the whole movie, though. Like and, and and her chasing after Roger is not interesting to me. And defeating like, the I just gobblers. don't care. That's 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 the goal. Her finding Roger, defeating the gobblers, trying to be like join with Lord Asriel in 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 his quests. And instead, what happens is she she finds people along the way that help her kind of do her journey. But in the end, then Lord Asriel splits away from her, and then it goes into the second book, and then a whole bunch of crazy stuff happens. Which again, like. If I'm just gonna stick to just this one movie, like, and and even then, you don't see Lord Ezreal split away. You don't see what really happens with Roger. You don't see a whole bunch of stuff, and that's the bummer. And that's why this movie kind of seems un- incomplete. And it is. It totally is. They cut the ending. They well, fully cut the ending. Right. And the rest of the movie, I think, is actually. It, I'm telling you, the rest of this movie is like almost spot on accurate to the book, well, which is I, really weird. Well, but it's it's fine. If it's accurate to the book, but then the book doesn't sound very good to me because the movie was completely uninteresting because there's nothing happening. Yes, Phil Pullman had to explain an entirely new universe with entirely new rules. It's like a steampunk universe with four different sentient, sentient groups of people in this world, one of which has their soul completely separate from their body. And, you know, it's it's so tough. Okay, so first off, demons are 
That's that's the best way. Well, I can, that's my point like, though. You can't just have a have a story. I have a you can't just have a world that doesn't have like a story to tell inside of the world. It does. There's so much to tell about this world. Right. How, I understand how did the Magisterium so become in power? Maybe, how did, maybe there is, but the movie itself never actually tells a story that's interesting and meaningful to me. I can see some issues with it, but I think you're a little harsh on it. I don't know, but. Um, like you have something like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, which have these huge expansive worlds, but those you get a grasp on the rules of those worlds very quickly. But they also have stories to tell where their characters actually go places like Frodo has to become part of the fellowship. He has to understand what the ring is and you have to take the ring to Mordor. Like that's a that's a places that he has to go. Yet Luke is on Tatooine. And learns about this greater world outside of him, and then he goes to defeat the Empire. Like, that's him doing something. Whereas here, Lyra is going to save Roger, but that the movie doesn't seem to be interested in that aspect of it. So it's just her going You're to rest. It's like a subplot? It's a it's a it's the main plot, but the focus on it is like it is a subplot. Because there's so much other stuff that don't really affect her quest to to bring to to save Roger at all. Mm. I can I can kind of see also where you're and from with I mean that. and he gets I never really cared about their relationship to begin with like there's not the the work to to establish her friendship with Roger it just doesn't really work for me at all which is just like a I don't know I yeah that was one thing they kind of had to rush I would suggest like okay. they they do rush that so much and if and if that's the backbone of the movie you have to no. that you have to sell that mm. but when rather, instead they focus on her relationship with Lord Asriel and with just and with Miss Coulter and much and, more important okay but it's not to this. To this yeah. story that they're trying to tell. The I story that they're trying to tell is with her and Roger. And if that's the yeah. story they're trying to tell, which I think is, it seems like it is, a, yeah. they need to build that, which instead, but instead they focus on these, her and him, and then and then the Sam Elliott character, and then the Ian McCallum character, like all these characters that come in that she builds relationships for that I care more about her relationships with these other characters yeah. than I do with her and Roger. Which, and, yeah. But her and Roger is the actual plot part of it, and they don't. Yeah. focus on that at all because she's so busy meeting all these other characters yep. that mean absolutely nothing to the story that this particular movie completely outside of whatever might come after is trying to tell yes and i i agree with you but Damn. even if there's you even if you are planning to tell more stories the reason why is because you don't know if you're going to be able to tell those more stories so first you have to tell a great self-contained story you're right i will totally agree with you that it is not yeah, the okay. most fulfilling story ever written for a film it was not a great conversion i think for while it is matching up with the book it does a great job i think it does for for the time constraints for everything they do a very good job at accurately showing this universe portraying what it's like showing what the heroes are trying to do they just cut it too soon they do about 80 percent of the story or no more than that they do about 90 percent of the story and they cut that last 10 percent, and right. it leaves the audience confused they don't know what's going on right it was my, a terrible choice but my point is that even if you don't even if you do tell that 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 part of it and like then mm -hmm. don't cut that part off like it still doesn't feel like a self-contained story like that that functions by yeah. itself because this as this, but still is is foreshadowing towards further further the, events this isn't an easily divisible story. This whole thing is, is, is better to be right. the, so it's all like, three books it's at like, once. It's you like Lord of the Rings, it. which is one one story. It's mm -hmm. not three separate stories. Yes. But I think even Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, like you, if we're talking talk about just like the first part, Fellowship of the Ring, Fellowship of the Ring has story elements that you can latch onto that are satisfying in themselves. Yep. Like you get to the halfway point where of Fellowship of the Ring, where 
the fellowship itself is formed. Like that's a goal that we accomplish in that movie. Yes. It's a story that happens inside that movie. And then like by the end, the fellowship is split. So that's an, that's a downbeat for the entire movie. Yeah. So like it's a, it's a, it's something that you're able to latch onto as far as story beats that happen within that movie. Whereas here there's, there, there's only like really one story beat that happens, which is she, Lyra rescues Roger. Mm -hmm. But, Liar rescues Roger, but I don't know what that means in the greater significance. Whereas within the Fellowship of the Ring, which is one part of a story that is three parts long, like it's part of a bigger story. It doesn't exist by itself, but like it still has these story beats you can latch onto. Like they're forming the Fellowship. Why do they need to form the Fellowship? They need to form the Fellowship because they need to go to dump the ring into Mordor. Like we yeah. know they tell us that's why it happens. Like we understand the purpose of these m smaller story beats that that exist in service of a whole, of the whole whereas in the golden compass that happens she saves roger but we don't really know why and if it's hinting towards this greater universe it yeah. needs to be it doesn't work just by itself you need to know what happens after that that's the problem and you're right and i think i thought that was a problem too just the way that they handled this movie i loved the universe i hated the execution of the way that they 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 handled exactly what you're talking about i guess i've never really looked at it like i never was able to figure out why i kind of left a bad taste in my mouth despite me falling in love with this with the concept of everything i wanted a demon so bad which by the way i asked i i gave you a little homework come up with like what your demon would be and i don't know if you did that or not no you didn't you're shaking your head all right well while i go on a little mo monologue maybe think about this but yeah you're right it, it doesn't it doesn't fully work like that that's why i'm happy that this tv show is being made because now it should be able to give the right amount of time to every story beat and then go to the next story and finish the whole thing. Hopefully, hopefully his Dark Materials goes through all three books. If it doesn't, that will be really disappointed. But as far as I know, I'm pretty sure they're greenlit for three seasons. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so if they handle a book a season, that'd be fantastic. I'm really curious how they'll handle Amber Spyglass because there's some really weird sci-fi stuff that happens. But I'm, I'm re it, from just from the intro to that show, they are like ready to do the multi multiverse. They're ready to show the the our universe. They're ready to show the 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 prime dimension. They're sh ready to show everything, and I'm so excited. Uh, again, I'm just gonna call it out there. Like, go watch that show, people. It's awesome. First episode just aired. Uh, you know, a couple days ago on on HBO. But uh, with yeah, I think Narnia. Yeah, you're right. It tells a better contained story. I feel like I wouldn't ever have to read the books. I wouldn't ever have to really worry about that other stuff. I was never left with any existential questions after after Narnia was done. I felt like okay, this is this is this is it. Here's the story. They go do this big battle. Finally, they beat the witch, and everybody's happy. They go back to their world and whatever. I did feel like Narnia kind of was like they did all that for nothing. I felt like that was one where their goals didn't last. Which kind of was lame to me. I like mean, the point is that they establish a kingdom. They, so that's, they why you, kingdom. that's why you see them grow up when they're yeah. older. So like they, it's like the golden age of prosperity. But then they go back to the real world and it was like, I don't know, like a day. And then it's like they're back to being kids, which that didn't yeah, make so, any sense so, to me so either. Our, so the, I think this is... I mean, couldn't you just literally... Very difficult like, to establish in a, in a movie, but I think it's established pretty well. I mean, I, I'll get into my problems with the adaptation in a little bit. But as far as the actual story goes, like... Our world exists on a time on a timeline, mm -hmm. and then Narnia's world, and then obviously all the other worlds. But like our world and Narnia's world both exist on a timeline, and they're both always moving forward, but they don't necessarily move forward at the same, same rate of rate. speed. Yeah, I I I I can understand that. I mean, it's like I don't know if you watch Rick and Morty, but it reminds me of like yes. the teeny verse. 
and the I microverse. don't know if I've seen that episode. So in like the microverse, like time moves way faster than the real world. Yeah. So he goes into one and then they come out and it was like, you know, like, they go into like two different multiverses for like months. Yeah. And then they come back. And it was like an hour maybe. Yeah. So <laughs> but, but it was the same yeah. thing. But why would they still be de-aged when they come out? Like they were like 40. Uh, no, not 40. But they were like 20 in their 20s and 30s when they were like kings and whatever and they're riding mm-hmm. on the horses at the end and then they come out and it's like they're back to being kids how does that work that doesn't make sense to me and and also if that's how that works if that's the rules of this you go through that portal and it resets you a little bit then you could essentially like live forever you just go in there for 40 years come out you spend a day in the real world you go back in there there's another 40 years like you could live yeah, but like a thousand that's like, lifetimes that's like a sci-fi sort of concept whereas I think what C.S. Lewis is trying to do is like more of a fantasy kind of thing so it's it's not really interested in that kind of a concept i know but they literally have like a key to immortality right but it's not <laughs> i mean it's not that's not the point though like it's it's not supposed to be like also like you i think lewis would be a big proponent of like why would you want to live forever you'd uh, at, at any point you could just be like okay i'm done going into the narnia now i want to live and actually like live or you can live out your whole life in narnia and then grow old and die there and you're not going to be able to come back so at any point you just got to be like all right i'm setting my stake here and i'm just gonna live my life out completely and one of the two worlds is getting abandoned by me i don't know I, it's yeah just i mean like, it just seems it it might be a i think it's just it can takes you back down like you go you go and then it resets your thing you go back to where you left off and and i um i don't mean to jump right back to golden compass i just wanted i just realized i like didn't answer a couple of your questions i mean it's it's fine i mean well what, just like what which questions with the demons like why they they can shift oh and then why they can't yeah so it's i like, think i mean i think that's supposed to be like evocative of like younger people being more flexible than older people well, and like yeah how, your, your like destiny they, is still completely undecided and then dust settles and it kind of like it so your your demon as if i'm remembering correctly is your soul but it's like made of dust and um when your dust settles your demon sticks to whatever form it's supposed to be that kind of is a a a window into what your destiny will be but um yeah with the demon yeah and when you when your dust settles that's literally like the representation of hitting puberty that's what it is. Like that is you, okay, you that, coming of age with that. I mean, that is that is like you hit puberty as a human and your demon settles. Like that is the jump there. Um, also, like you said, like why? So, like, is it saying that once we grow up, we can't change at all? No, it's just saying that you're becoming a mature adult and it's you. You've reached that point in your life. So, like, what's the point of them having? Like, what are their what are their demons actually mean? Like, it's, she has like what. Pan, Pan settles, a uh, little bit of a spoiler here, Pan settles as that ermine he is for the most part. Typically, your demon kind of knows what they want to be um, what, or what they'll be okay, settled so what as. Is that, because what, so if, but the problem is that the children are our main characters, and if the children don't really, ha- if their demons keep changing form, that they're, they're never really able to, to mean anything symbolically. And if they don't mean anything symbolically, I don't really understand the point of including them at all. They do mean stuff symbolically. Typically, you can tell if somebody's really important by it, and they're going to do something special and crazy with their life. Lord Asriel is one of the most insane written characters ever. Like he's Okay, of, so what's his demon? I don't even his remember. His demon's a snow leopard. That's a very they, did rare they ever, demon. Did they ever... Sh- okay, but that's not established in the, in the story of the movie. So the, like I don't so like the, the, the demons as they're established in the movie don't really mean anything to me other than that they're the 
character's soul, in which case if they're just the character's soul and they don't mean really anything for the plot of this particular movie. Like there's just so many different if, things if, that if just wanna, seem like extraneous strings. Like if you want to talk about like thematic stuff, like the guy who's in charge of the college, his is a raven. Uh, you know, Miss Poulter's is that golden monkey. That, yeah, the monkey. So like she's mischievous. Is that she's, what it's supposed to mean? Like, she's mischievous and and kind of cunning and very um, unassumingly dangerous and... That's okay, the whole so like, thing take take for example the Patronuses from Harry Potter. <clears throat> that seems that makes a lot more sense to me because the the Patronuses uh, don't have a huge impact on on the plot necessarily, but they are th- uh, oftentimes thematic representations of who the characters actually are. De- demons have more, uh, well, but then in like the third Harry Potter movie, they expand the Patronuses to be kind of like we under we understand like what the Patronuses actually are used for, and they become more of a plot centered element. But like otherwise, the Patronuses are like. They they're there they're there they cast the Patronuses cast animals right mm-hmm. that are evocative of the characters but like they're not so integral to the plot like whereas demons here are meant to be like the whole point of the movie and yet they don't seem to have any point to them they are a part of the main characters right That's I what understand you have to remember. that they're they're not necessarily they, there so then, to do a ton of stuff so then but they're they just are, the main character though they are and, a part of the main character they are the main character's souls. Right. Just like so if, if they're just there the- are human characters who do not have demons in this. Will from The Subtle Knife will become one of the main characters just like Lyra. Him and her kind of are like the two main characters once Subtle Knife happens. He doesn't have a demon. His demon is his soul, which is internalized because he's from our world. Our universe, our our demons, and our uh, which are our souls, are inside of us. That's the whole thing. Right. It, yeah, exactly. So, like, if that's... Like, I don't see the difference between having your demon inside of you and having your demon outside of you. They it don't differentiates really, there's no... the dimensions. It shows that this is a world va- vastly different from our own. Okay, so it's different. But, like, other than the fact that it is different, like, what it doesn't really mean anything other than that. It. Okay. I'm not going to be able to explain this all to you. It's just... <sighs> Anyways, I'm... I, let's just. Um, I'm just talking about inside the world of this store of of this movie. I understand that there's other stuff that happens in other books, mm-hmm. but I'm saying this movie like fundamentally yes. fails to tell any story, like really at all. Like, I just don't. I just don't get the point. Fine. Uh, but I'm not gonna be able to change your mind on. No, that. I mean, it's I fine. think you I, need. I think you need to give the books a try, or at least the TV show. I feel like at least the TV show, because the TV shows. I can already tell you, it's gonna be amazing. And it, I feel like you'll get a much better feel for the universe and everything that's supposed to be going on. I think you're going to get a good, good vibe of this. As, okay. Yeah, I'm. Just, I, I would love to screen them at my, at my place. We can as far as I, it. as far, I mean, let's just, let's just, let's move on to scores. Yeah, let's do it. So, first impression for Narnia. So here's actually, I didn't get to talk about this yet. Yes. Narnia rewatching it, I, I just noticed that there's a lot of. Whoever directed this doesn't really seem to have Andrew Adamson is the man who directed this mm-hmm. doesn't really seem to have a clear vision for how this adaptation should play out. So the script itself kind of is a, is a, is a really good adaptation because it doesn't it cuts what needs to be cut from the book and includes what pretty much all of it. It, it makes sense as an adaptation uh, and to the, to the medium of film, but the director. There's so many. He, he seems to shoot this entire thing in close up. So when you shoot yep. every single person in close up, it ends up that you have to edit all the time. 
So like you shoot in close up, you have to sh- then you have to edit to get another person's reaction shot, and then you have to edit to get another person's reaction shot. Whereas if you shoot in like a two shot or a three shot or a group shot or anything mm-hmm. like much wider, you're not gonna have to edit nearly as often. And it just really bothered me the way this movie looked, and I had never really noticed this before, um, before now. But it just it never seems like the director had a clear vision of the way that this should play out in this particular medium. Mm. In 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 the, in the attempt to sort of get so much so many reactions from the characters that don't, just don't mean anything because when you shoot everything in close up trying to trying to capture a reaction from someone when you actually do need a reaction from someone that should be in close up it ends up really meaning nothing yeah. because it, because you've you've already put in the audience's head that this close up has already been here before yeah I I thought that Narnia was an interesting concept I liked some of the ways that the film was executed. I wasn't a suit like I didn't come out of it like amazed or anything. I wasn't like taken aback like oh my god I want to be a part of this universe. I don't I didn't want to do that. I wasn't like it was okay. It served the purpose. It was entertainment, but my my, my first impression with it was it was just all right. Like it was a it was a good movie. Yeah, but I mean, it, I, it's I, like I, I don't is, need this to see is this. One, like I said 10 that times. I didn't. I said that I didn't have like nostalgia for the Princess Bride, which is not entirely true. I mean, I do have nostalgia for, it, but it's not the same type of nostalgia that I have for this this movie, mm-hmm. which I saw on my fifth birthday, and I've loved like ever since. Like I've watched it probably a bazillion times. Like I I've always loved this movie, and then watching it again, it's kind of like this is not a super well-made film just because like it doesn't seem to have all of the aesthetic expectations that I have from like a great movie. Yeah. But I still love this movie. I mean, it's, it's, it's my childhood. I mean, but it's just not, I just feel like there's a better adaptation of this story out there because I think the story is pretty much flawless. So you, so you uh, think C.S. it should Lewis, be remade a little bit? I don't, think should, I don't know if it should be remade. Or, I mean, Netflix bought the rights to, to Narnia. Okay. And I don't know what they're going to do with it yet because they haven't really announced uh, what they're going to do with it yet. But I do think that it can be done better than it was here just because I, I you got to hire someone. Yep like maybe Guillermo del Toro or Steven Spielberg, someone who has That'd a vision, cool. who can visualize this in the medium of film, who knows how to use the frame to tell a story. If you got Guillermo del Toro to do Narnia, that's what I would Right, that's watch. what I said. because I said I thought of Guillermo del Toro because he understands fantasy and how it means, but he also understands how to make a movie. Even because, yeah. but like his the thing that from Guillermo del Toro that I've never really enjoyed. I mean, like is his stories. Like his stories just don't really ever connect with me. Mm-hmm. But the way he tells them is fantastic. Yes. So I think if you match Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, whose aesthetic, uh, uh, I I could see every like that right, would be a perfect because he because un, he understands how to tell fantasy stories yeah. in the in the medium. But if you match him with this story that I think is one of the best ever to, ever created, then I think you might have something special on your okay. hands. So what's your so my first impression, impression is an eight. Narnia. I I had this like literally before I watched it like on my top one hundred of all time yeah. like ten out of ten like I loved it, and then watching it again it's like not maybe so it's not that good. Six for me. Okay, let's do the Golden Compass first impression then right away. Oh uh, yeah, just compare the two. The first time I ever saw it, I was so enthralled with it. I was disappointed definitely by the ending. I felt like it was a very unfulfilling ending, but besides that, I thought it was unbelievable i thought it was like the coolest concept ever i i loved it more than star wars dude that's how much i loved this seriously universe. the universe of golden compass i i i would live 
probably if I had to choose what you book or movie universe that I would live in, I'd probably choose Golden Compass first. Okay, but like as a movie, as a movie, as a movie, I thought it's not it was, better than Star Wars. No, it's not better. Than okay. Star Wars. But I was enthralled by the universe, and I'm just saying my first impression ever seeing that when I was like 12 or 13 was unbelievable. I but with that ending, the way that it happened, I think I would give it an eight. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm probably really harsh on this, but I I hated this movie. <laughs> like I did not enjoy it at all. Mm. Um, this is like a a two for me. Like I didn't find any redeemable qualities. It seems to have absolutely zero story or point. And okay. I and I, and even the world itself. Like I I see the basic the basic building blocks for the world. Like multiverse is an interesting concept, but they don't really ever delve into that. This dust thing is is basically like the force, except o- over convoluted and and. And and I was, again, I'm talking about this movie specifically, yes. not the other things. I know. But like the, in this movie, the dust no, seems to have no points. The demons are, are are just a, a knockoff version of the Patronus that don't seem to have any point to me. Uh, maybe I don't this know if was, they're I don't know if they're actually knockoffs. This I think was, this was written in like before. the '90s. But yeah, like late, late, late. It, the Patronuses, for all I know, are probably a knockoff of demons. But because <clears throat> that actually might be actually what happened because I think J.K. Rowling was yeah, so some, at least very wrote, some wrote at least the this. Golden Compass, I believe, in 1996. But um yeah. So two, really? You didn't think the visuals were good? You didn't think the music was I good? Mean, the, 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 the effects don't really hold up all that well. The acting, which none is, of that? I thought the I acting mean, was I solid. like the acting more in, in Darnia oh. than I do here. I mean, I just don't really buy into any of the characters. I just want to tell you though, uh Daniel, I mean, it's, got Daniel Nicole, Craig. it's got it's got Nicole Kim and Daniel Craig, so obviously there's gonna be something Sam going Elliott, on there. Sam Elliott and, and Sam Elliott. I just want to tell you, Lord Asriel, spot on in this movie. He is that distance. He is that mean. He is like he's not. But his character, I don't understand the point of. At he all. becomes way bigger in the next few books. Okay, well, huge. In, he's huge in the third book, but right now, first yeah, book, so yeah, so it's he's, like Daniel Craig. Daniel he's a background Craig, character. Daniel Craig literally comes in for the first ten minutes. It's like, oh, it's Daniel Craig, and then he's, he's not in it for the rest of the movie. Yeah, he's he's he, that's how it is in the book. He's really there minor. is there is one interesting thing that happened at the beginning of this movie where yeah. Lyra walks into a wardrobe. Uh, which I think is a very intentional inversion of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Lucy walks into a wardrobe, where but then she kind of like, while she's in the wardrobe, sees the meeting, the meeting, yeah, you know, where he's shown off his discoveries, yeah, the yeah, I know what you're talking, um, but that but that's also like in the books and the TV show just kind of did something similar to that, and it it was a little different. So let's move on to story for Narnia. I thought it was okay. I mean, like, I don't know. There were things I definitely didn't like about it. Like, the whole thing with the witch, and then she gets the the kid, and then, you know, he kind of, like, betrays everybody. Like, he was a very annoying character, because it's like, come on, dude. Clearly, she's manipulating you, and she gives you candy, right, that's, and you're that, feeling... That's an interesting thing that I, that I really love about the story, actually, is that, that I think C.S. Lewis is doing, which... Uh, I mean, C.S. Lewis it didn't write this movie, but C.S. Lewis wrote The Social Material. Mm-hmm. The sure movie makes... The decisions between good and bad very obvious, and yet the characters still don't choose to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's very true, and that's that's something that we can take a lot of lessons about. Because like I think in our everyday lives, there are many times where we know what the right decision is, yeah. 
that the decisions between right and right and wrong are very obvious, and yet we still choose to do the wrong thing anyways. And I think that's a very powerful thing because he he just weaves that into the literal, like you said it yourself, he weaves that into the actual story, and that's an idea that's that's so huge and so true of 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 the way that that I perceive life. And I just think that that's something communicated through a story, which is what I love to see. I, I just felt like it just seemed like there was a lack of common sense from what's that brother's name? Edmund. Edmund is the, is the yeah, character's name. Edmund. He's just so annoying. I mean, like he literally like did the Narnia version of a, of a pedophile, like rolling up in a van and offering him candy. And he was, he was the kid who actually goes into the van and takes the candy. Like it just, it was like that level of dumb. And I'm just like, come on. And really, it's just what because your older brothers mean to you. Like, really, this is the first time you don't think that maybe the older brothers are a little worried about the circumstances of the real world and like what's going on. I don't know. Maybe because like your entire country is being bombed to hell right now, and it's like just oh, you're just so whiny, and everybody's whiny and it's just weird. And I don't know. I wasn't um, I wasn't a huge fan of the story. I mean, I get it. It's kind of cool. The battle's cool. Yeah, there's, I did this, that, but there's this interesting thing the, that happens in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader where, where Edmund is talking to the, their cousin, Eustace, and he says, um, after Eustace has kind of, like, realized his... Eustace is a brat. Like, he's straight up, like, whiny, annoying. Eustace, uh, Edmund says to Eustace, you weren't as bad as I were. You were just a jackass. I was a traitor. So like the, the the that dynamic is created. I mean, obviously it doesn't happen in this movie, but I think I think he's not supposed to be a brat and whiny so much as he is so much as he is actively against the interests of his own family. Okay. So what? So for story, what do you give it? Uh, ten. This is this is. I think this is a perfect story. Like there's this is really they they adapt the the source material the 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 the. I think the source material is, is is as close to perfect as you can ever get, and they and they take that source material and and tell it in the story as far as like the screenplay goes, and they take elements of the story that they need to take and and tell it, and they expand the battle section of it, which makes sense because you're telling it in a visual yeah. medium. Yep. I think the story of this is as close to perfect as you might get in a movie. I How, as, I, oh, sorry. But then I, obviously I said the execution of that just fails in some very specific aspects of it. I give it a four. There were too many, too many things that just like didn't work with me. I like some parts of it, but I dislike others. There's no characters I really latch on to. Everybody is either like too ridiculous or they're too pretentious, and it just it gets to the point. Where I mean, if like, we're talking about sorry, uh, providing a little bit more justification for my ten out of ten, I feel like like the Golden Compass, the movie, doesn't really have a purpose at all. It doesn't really, it's not really saying anything. But but the line the witch in the wardrobe has these really lofty. Uh, ambitions as far as like trying to communicate through story the way that our bad tendencies work our our sin nature the kind of that that sort of idea and and uses that in the midst of its story through kind of the way Edmund functions and his relationship with the him and Aslan and the witch I think Narnia then functions more as a yeah as a reflection of inner struggles whereas um Golden Compass works as a reflection of outer struggles. Well, well, what do you mean by inner struggles? Because like, like you talked about the person, de- people dealing with a lot of troubles in- internally and having to deal. With well, it's not internally. Things. He straight up, but he straight up I know. turns his but, his family. But in. it's very localized on singular characters, whereas the big bad guys and the, a lot of the issues and struggles that happen in Golden Compass and its overarching series have to do more with societal 
uh, societal things and giant groups, and and it's not just one singular person. So it's like the Golden Compass supposed to be like social commentary then? I wouldn't argue that it's completely social commentary, but there are definitely things that you can see mirrored in the real world, and um, a lot of it's rep- representative of certain things. And yeah, like the Egyptians, they're kind of treated as a minority group, and you see that like the police, the state police, don't really want to help them look for the missing children and the Egyptians were specifically targeted for like a lot of the kidnapping and you see um, the Magisterium obviously being a major group that kind of is an allegory for I, I this is how a lot of people like to portray it I always looked at it just as kind of an organization that was just kind of hands and everywhere and all they really wanted to do was control information because they felt yeah. the more people were educated the more um, less power they had yeah. which was a trait for a very long time of how religion worked in like middle ages, Europe, the way that the church had so much power over everything, like the church was above Kings. It was above countries. It was above everything. And they, and they were, they specifically made it so regular people couldn't get educated. You know, they couldn't learn how to write and read because they felt that that would take away power from them. Yeah. And And so Martin Luther comes in and says reformation. And I mean, there was just, there was a lot of stuff that, that was wrong in the world. And I think the magisterium not necessarily represents exactly like, uh, religion, but I think there's definitely, uh, that's where it's kind of reflected and we can see the same things happening with the magisterium as what happened with things in our universe. Yeah. I mean, here in this particular movie in the golden compass, the magisterium really is just like a, society that wants to control things but as i understand it f- evolves and and as far as we our understanding of it in the books it do, it's like basically it is it's religion it's it's the church the big c church mm-hmm. like which doesn't really make a t- t- ton of sense but whatever um it, it's kind of like if you took catholicism from the middle ages and you put it into more modern times no but i mean like i think power no, no no but like the magisterium like as far as philip philip pullman intended it seems to be like talking about like the church is like as every single part of the church mm. like the big c church like uh, everyone in the church i guess yeah in a way um but all right so what's the or what's the next thing we got to score here uh story for the golden compass Oh, I love the Golden Compass story. The movie's story? The movie's story, again, We're talking about the movies, just lacks, the lacks the ending, but up until that point, it's great. So, again, because of that ending, I mean, I got to cut. I think everything was awesome about that story except for the last 10%, so I'm just going to cut straight up 10% off my score, and I think I'm going to give it, like, I'm going to probably give that an 8. Yeah, um, I don't see the point to the story at all. I don't think it has a story. Like it, it's, it's purely world building and it's world building that I don't really care about at all because world building is obviously part of story. But yeah, this is like a two, like this is just, mm. I was completely befuddled at the, at the lack of like any sense of storytelling at all on this. Okay. Um, and, and we've gone over that point already. Yeah. Um, Next. Acting for Narnia. Six. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much to say about the acting. I mean, it's not great, but it's not terrible. Yeah, I think I, don't know. I think the kids are are good. Okay. I mean, they're they're definitely good for child acting. Uh, I like I like Liam Neeson as Aslan. I think there's a a better version of Aslan. I think uh, a great voice for it. Yeah, all, he's, all he's, of these movies I think have great voice acting. Yeah, like yeah. choices. Like everybody's awesome for their role. I think Tilda Swinton as the White Witch is 
probably as good a casting as you're gonna get for that. She's pretty fantastic. <sighs> she looks creepy to me. And she's I mean, she's I, get I think I think really... she's great casting because the White Witch is supposed to be both beautiful and creepy all at the same time. And yeah. I think Tilda Swinton kind of uh, yeah, she fits that. I mean, fits that perfectly. So you, you, what do you think for the acting? What is your uh, score? I think seven is is okay. fair. Like it's 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 nothing special. I mean, it's like it's nothing like Lord of the Rings level of like, uh, of epicness. Like I think Lord of the Rings kind of that its strongest point is its casting and its and the way it kind of is able to portray its characters through physical bodies, acting them out. Um, where I think yeah, whatever. Um, but okay. Golden Compass acting. Uh, I think this is nine. probably like nine. Okay, nine for me. Maybe a step below, just because I don't really buy into the characters. Like I feel like acting part of acting's job is to is to allow you to buy into who the characters are. I, and I think like obviously Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman are the strongest parts of this because they that's, they're the greatest actors. But everyone like I think the one that needs to be stronger is Lyra and Roger and both of those actors. Like I as they, I mean obviously they're kid actors, yeah. but like I care more about the the kids in Narnia than I do here. And I think that the actors it's not entirely their fault obviously, but they do need to kind of. It is their job to to bring you into it. And I don't think that they do that well enough. So Roger, I think like six Roger is, in the TV show is way better than the Roger in this. But I think Roger's probably the only downside. I think everybody else is perfect. Lyra's awesome. Nicole Kidman as Miss Coulter, spot on. And she looks spot on. That is what she's supposed to look like. Daniel Craig, perfect. He acts it out. He's not a major character in that first book. He's really cold. He nails it. Lee Storsby, as, or Sam Elliott as Lee Storsby, spot on. And everything with um, with the polar bears, exactly how I would have imagined it, it was great. I thought that was perfect. So, I, I like I said, 9 out of 10. I, 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 I think everybody portrayed their characters exactly how they were supposed to. Roger was a little lackluster, but other than that, fine. Yeah, I think 6 is a fair score for me. Because okay. it's not, yeah, it's 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 perfectly acceptable. And I think Nicole Kidman and, uh, and Dan Craig kind of elevate the material, even though they're not really in it a whole ton. Ian McKellen is is good as the polar bear thing, but uh, he's Sam Elliott, obviously great actor. Awesome, and he's perfect. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, it's, um, Ian McKellen as the polar bear is a little bit distracting, just because it's I can't stop thinking of Gandalf. Uh, I mean, because it's just two fantasy stories that yeah, are yeah, both yeah, with yeah, yeah. Ian McKellen. It's like it's my fault, but like I don't know. Okay, and also he he doesn't. But he fits. He he kind of fits the character. He's and obviously he's a great actor. So he yeah. kind of, he's bringing he's bringing some gravitas to the to the character. Well, but yeah. I think six is a fair score. I can't me. listen to Liam Neeson as as uh, Aslan anymore. You know, like I all I think of is like yeah, just quiet down or, I, I, or I, the, the dude one from thing, Taken. That is one thing that didn't really distract me this time is that I you would expect that I would be distracted by Liam Neeson's voice as Aslan, but I I wasn't really. Mm. Um, they, but I was like. He's not the best Aslan. There's this. They did a a radio drama series of of the Chronicles of Narnia, and the Aslan they got for that is like I think I love him so much because he's like scary in a way that as like he's like you're supposed to be afraid of him mm. in in of Aslan, <clears throat> but also yep. like love him at the same time. And I think that okay. the actor who did that for the radio drama is fantastic. And I think Liam Neeson is just too kind of. Like he's he's kind of one dimensional as Aslan. So are we done with acting then? Yeah. Okay. Uh, look and feel for Narnia. I have no complaints. Um, Narnia was really solid. I I actually I, the only complaint I have is like with the White Witch was kind of weird. Like anything involving her, I never was a big fan of. And sometimes the costumes looked a little cheesy. 
for some of the monsters. Yeah, like, on her I mean, side. It, so it was made, I, yeah. But I think the battles are cool, and I think the World War Two sequence right at the beginning. Yeah, is the World awesome. War Two sequence. I was like, that wow, was, this looks it's, really good. At first, like when you're in the theaters for that, I'm sure people are like, are, are we in the right movie theater for this? Like, this is like World War Two happening here. Like, what is this? Like, Saving Private Ryan, like part two here going on or what? But no, um, yeah, it. Uh, I I think. Yeah, so so there are some corny things. I I don't know. I'll give it a I'll give it a seven. I think for the it definitely does more good than it does bad. Yeah, I mean I said before about the 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 problems that I had with the filmmaking of it, and that kind of weighs into look, look and feel a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think the score is is awesome. Like the score is epic. The score is, is solid. Score is really epic. Uh, Golden Compass had had some as- aspects of the score that I that I liked. Like it had this these these muted these uh, muted trumpets yeah. that I was like really digging. But it doesn't really as a whole doesn't really have a have a theme that you really able to latch on to which i think a fantasy movie like the mm-hmm. like both of these really kind of needs a th- it's an epic steampunk theme to it magic. whereas the narnia theme is awesome i love the narnia theme mm-hmm. um but i think the score is, is probably the biggest plus for look and feel i think it holds up for the most part as far as as like creature design and stuff and world building as far as as the visual look of it but it's it's not it's not perfect it's it lord of the rings holds up better and lord of the rings doesn't hold up as well as you think it does it holds up well it's just not like yeah, as I know flawless as you think it is. I know what you're talking about. Uh, seven. Because, I, again, there's seven there's aspects. Narnia. Maybe even a six, honestly. Okay. like it's. Then I, I actually think, now that I'm No, thinking, okay, I'm going to give it a seven because the score is that good. The score is that okay. good. And and they get a lot of the 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 visual. The, co- the color palette for this is perfect okay. for, for the feel of Narnia. Yeah, it looked good. I just think my biggest thing is a lot of the costumes are cheesy. When yeah, they, I didn't, I, that I didn't really notice. So A lot of, yeah. Like his her her little butler dude, the white witch's butler dude. He's like he looks terrible. And the, there the are dwarf some, or the minotaur, yeah, the dwarf. Okay, the minotaur looks okay. He was kind of cool. I the like minotaur. They, I, I like think how they the went with buffalo. Practical. It looked more like a buffalo than a bull, and I kind of dig that. Yeah, the, the minotaur. Design. Her general, the minotaur, yeah. looks looks pretty. Looks really good, and he's I think it's because he's like half CG, half practical. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so next. So look and feel for Golden Compass then. Oh, 10. Okay, I love it. I they, I think they did a great job nailing the look for this. Everybody fits their part perfectly. I think the music was cool. I think they do the demons really well. Um, I I was just very very happy with it. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is a fantasy world. Fantasy so fantasy worlds are obviously going to have pluses to them because they've got this visual splendor that they're supposed to have. But I think I feel like this one it, it felt really cold to me. It felt like it felt like ice. Like a lot of it felt like Narnia. Well, the 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 White Witch had control over it, mm. like for the entire movie. So, like, compare the end of, the ending battle of the Golden Compass with the ending battle of Narnia. Like, the end of battle of Narnia, it takes place during the day. You can see the colors of the of yeah. the red of Narnia and the and the and the darkness of the battle. And as they come across on this bright green plain, and then you got the the rocks that kind of stick out. Whereas here, <clears throat> in in the Golden Compass, the end battle takes place in this like. I see hellscape. It's in the, it, yeah, it's in like the Arctic, and yeah, it's just fights between and it's like Egyptians that's, and witches. It's and, like all the, it's like literally one ex machina after another, which yeah. is also really annoying. Yeah. Uh, like so, the the witches, we didn't even talk about, it, and the witches are like in here. It's another example of her like meeting someone and then coming out of nowhere for like no reason. Like, but like the whole thing of of the Golden Compass just feels really bland to me as far as a fantasy world is concerned just because it all feels the same whereas in Narnia you've got all these this drastic change you've got the you've got the brownish kind of countryside of Britain and then you go into Narnia at first and it's like like 
like bluish and cold and icy and then it changes to pinkish and yeah. kind of le- less blue and more green as it kind of progresses yeah. it's got it's got this real visual uh variety to it whereas golden comes kind of feels the same to me throughout and i and and the score again wasn't as at, wasn't great for a fantasy score because it doesn't really have a theme to latch on to and, and doesn't really have this anything show throughout it. has an amazing score, I just want okay. to say. That's new, I want to play you that because it's so worth listening to. Yeah, so I think Golden um, Compass on the whole is like a five for, for look and feel for me. Okay. Um, I think the steampunk way that they did it, they're more steampunk in that movie than they are actually in the new show too, which is kind of cool. I kind of Yeah, the, I like the the the, the giant and... airship blue thing. Like the, that's that is an interesting visual touch that they had that they're able to add. They always have like retro art de- art deco but like art deco steampunk steamships or and and airships and stuff. They do that kind of stuff. All right, last last category then. Last category is effect for Narnia. For Narnia, um it was a uh I don't know, a 5. I wasn't really moved one way or another. By the end of it, I'm like, okay, that was kind of a cool action scene, but that's about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, this kind of speaks to my love of the story, but I, I, the story itself really moves me. But as far as the filmmaking experience, there, there's just a lot of distracting elements, like I talked about before. This on this watch, I think maybe an eight, just because I still, I, I love the battle sequence. I think the battle sequence really is is underlooked as mm-hmm. it's not one of the greatest battle sequences ever. But, but then the battle at the end of Narnia is. Is is still really good. They 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 do a great job of establishing uh, geography and on on the battle plane. Like they they start yeah. on the field and then Peter says we're gonna go back into the rocks and so we know that they're setting them up to to, to kind of corner off the enemy because they know yeah. because we we see that like there's another great visual cue where the Narnians have this really clear battle strategy where they're where they're kind of like in an arrow point mm-hmm. but then we see that the that the the witch's army is like they have way more people but they're they have just, they're they're very unorganized yeah. and which is which, and they signal that visually they don't tell you it they just kind of show yeah. it visually which is fantastic like you don't really get that very often in 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 battle in storytelling through battles and it's like when they come in and then they and then they're able to like like he brings he draws them back into the rocks where they're able to kind of close them off and then but then the mechanics of the battle like you the 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 forces that are at play are like the witches the witches uh thing which turns them into stone and so like they kind of know that this is what we need to destroy in order to win the battle and then you've got uh lucy and susan on their quest to bring in the extra reinforcements and so it's just a lot of all the whole battle kind of cohesive and it was the story was written by the screenplay was written by part partially by christopher marcus and stephen mcfeely who recently have done infinity war and endgame Okay. Interestingly enough, and I think they're really good at kind of. So that's like their thing, huh? Big, yeah, big, I mean, giant I, think, battles. I think they're very good at like establishing like where characters are, what they want, need to do, and how they need to like change the tide of the battle. Which I think this movie is overlooked in how well it does that. So I think an eight is good for me. I mean, just talking about the battle, about okay. how good it is, kind of like, and I and I still get into the movie even though there were a lot of things that distracted me from it. Okay. So Golden Compass. So Golden Compass's effect. Ten, because I don't know if I've ever had a movie affect me just the way this did. Despite despite the the kind of a bummer of an ending, the way that they did it, I was so into the thing. It motivated me to watch or read three full books of it, like a thousand pages, which was the biggest series I ever did. That was um, probably one of the biggest effect movies ever. So there's no way I can't give it a ten. I could, I almost should give it an eleven if I could. Yeah, <laughs> it was that I think, big. I didn't like hate watching this. It's just kind of like the whole time. It's like this is kind of stupid uh i just didn't really enjoy i didn't it's not that i didn't 
I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't like actively hate myself while watching it. There's enough kind of like going on as far as the experience mm -hmm. goes to like make it not an actively horrible situation. Yeah. So I think four is fair for effect rather than rather, rather than a three. Okay. So Gideon, what is the total score for Narnia? Narnia scored a 68 out of 100. Okay. And for the Golden Compass, we've got a 64 out of 100. Tight race. So not Narnia won the day. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, I didn't drop a two on Narnia. I don't think... I think it's it's an okay movie. I just really loved Golden Compass way more. And I've never... I don't know if I've ever had a movie motivate me to read a book so hard as uh, as Golden Compass did. And I, I think it... Because it's so accurate to the book, I think reading that book, you don't even feel like it's a separate thing. And you can picture these characters way better after seeing that movie and it's just like continuing like here's the rest of the story that we didn't get to finish here's that last trunk of the book here's the next book and here's the next book i fell in love with the whole universe of that and then i was so happy to find out that oh my gosh i get to also experience this universe for two more full stories and then some change so we've got Narnia just below Joker and then Golden Compass right above Zombieland 2 so that's kind of where we are on the big board as far as things go nice I think uh, that's pretty representative then. I, I feel like those are both pretty solid things. So this has been Script to Screen. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Stick around because coming up next is Film Spotting. <laughs>